So the Lord wants us to know that he performs what we believe. Amen. Prophecy is fulfilled when we believe. Amen. So so anyway, uh, moving right along with prophecy. So so yeah, if you believe it will be performed. Uh, we look for God to fulfill and perform prophecy. It's not up to us to do it. So uh, we know uh, many Bible examples where people have been told that God will do certain things and then man gets involved and tries to do it, right? And then they find they can't do it. So if we release these things to God from the very beginning, we won't run into that temptation to try and perform it ourselves or try to make it happen. Remember, uh, Abraham and Sarah were told they would have a child. Uh, Sarah was barren, and so she uh, doubted that God would have her be the natural mother, so she found a surrogate. So that's probably one of the first times you read in the Word of God, you see surrogate mothers, surrogate mothers, uh, for people uh, who want to have a child and, and she tried to take the child as her own uh, but was not successful because it was not the plan of God now when God when God uh, makes his will known to you there will be a response by you in your spirit in the natural so uh, Sarah had like a dislike for Ishmael and his mother and so that became a sign to them that maybe this was not God. You know, there's too much. The Bible says the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So sometimes immediately when the enemy gets you to step in his snare, he snaps the trap. And then you know you're you're stuck. You know, you're there. And so you struggle and struggle to get out of the trap. You know, what, what most wise people will do is is relax in the trap you got me just relax in the snare take authority over the devil and believe God for deliverance because if you could get yourself out you never would have gotten in Amen. And so many times we we find ourselves ensnared in these situations and we struggle and struggle and struggle and trying to find a fast way out. Sometimes God's deliverance might take years to be fulfilled. Now I've seen that with my own eyes. And when I was a newer Christian and just getting started in ministry, I would have believed everything can be reversed immediately. But there's some things that you learn while you're in the snare. You got me? You begin to look at that, examine that trap, and you learn every little inch of it, how you might be able to get out, how you might be able to, you understand what I'm saying? I was uh, watching a um, uh, a, um, bad people show, (laughs) ID Network, but there was a a young lady who was kidnapped, and... um, Several as a matter of fact. And they all seem to say the same thing. They said at some point I quit screaming, struggling, begging to get out. They relaxed in the snare. See what I'm saying? She said, and I began to listen for when my captor was there and when he would leave. 
See, most people, that's an advantage that they have when they're captured because if they're not murdered immediately, that person wants to hold on to them for any reason. They have to, that person has to absent themselves from the situation just to keep up the appearance of a normal life. And so while they're keeping up the appearance of a normal life, she said, I began to notice, see, inspecting that box that she was held in inspecting the uh, handcuffs or whatever they have them. And they begin to learn every inch and every uh, place in their captivity. And then they begin to notice about their captor when they come and when they go. And so this one lady was locked in a coffin type box and she would, would, when she knew he would be gone for a certain length of time, she would begin to bang on that and eventually loosened the, the latch that was on it, didn't know. And then she paced when he would be gone and she was able to get out and run to a neighbor to get her, her deliverance. But it didn't happen the first day. You see what I'm saying? Because the captor has years to devise a snare. They have years to devise a trap for you. And as far as they know, it's pretty foolproof. That's what the devil does for us. Familiar spirits examine our lives over a period of years and they begin to devise snares and traps for us. Well, I know the so-and-so, Barb likes this and she likes that. Well, I'm going to put this in front of her eyes and distract her from what I'm doing over here. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, it's nice when God can bless you with certain things because that... uh takes the power devil's power away from him that he would use to ensnare you with if you'll let him let him go and god give him to you then the devil can't ensnare you with that you understand what i'm saying it's not like oh that's something they'll dangle in front of you and because you have you lack it you want it so badly now you'll jump at the chance to get it that's not true and that's why god blesses us so much with so many different things that we might need because now he's not going to give you so much that that in that builds another type of a snare for you like holding on to it you see what I'm saying? Uh, you're blessed when God gives you something free of charge. Anybody can go out and borrow money and get notes to get stuff. So let's come on now. Let's let's get real here. Um, when uh, God knew I liked beautiful things, uh, I liked nice clothes. I used to like designer clothes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Custom this, custom that. Why? Because I didn't have it when I was growing up. And I felt I had to have it in order to feel worthwhile kind of thing when I was in the world. Well, when you come into the kingdom, you got to let that stuff go you can't make that the center of your life anymore and so uh i was able to let a lot of things go and then i saw him just walk into my life you know no sweat no stress not asking for any you understand they just walk into your life and so what that did for me 
is that let me know that God, number one, didn't mind me having them up to a certain point. If I tried to duplicate what God was doing in my life, I found I couldn't even afford to do it. And so these are the things that if you look at them for what they really mean, the symbolic value of them and not so much the I want it and I got to have it value, you'll find that God is there working on your behalf to sort out your desires, sort out your needs, show you that that there are some things that, that he wants us to have. For instance, I don't feel bad about liking diamonds and jewels because I see them in the Bible. God had him in the garden. He had him everywhere that man was. He adorned him with those things. He even gave him to Satan as the worship leader in heaven, you know. So it's nothing for God to give diamonds and jewels to people. But to some people, they're everything. You know what I'm saying? They, they just, we have to watch how we desire things and, and the, 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 the depth to which we will go to possess things. But, but I know for a fact that God will allow us to have great things in Him so they won't ensnare us. Got me? It's like when you, when your children, you teach your children, now if you, if you need money, you come to me. You come to mom and you come to dad for your material needs. I don't want you asking people for things. I don't want you accepting things from strangers. I don't want you, God wants his kids to seek him for what they desire, you know? And so, so it's just that way. We keep it in house. We keep our kids out of snares that way. And then we allow ourselves to grow in the things of God and be nurtured God's way. But but trust me, the enemy will try anything he can to ensnare uh, God's people. So you can be snare proof. If you give your desires over to God, if you talk to him about what you want and you say, God, I really like so and so. I would love to have this and make it a prayer and get your peace about it and allow God to bring it into your life. It takes discipline. And that's what he wants. He wants his kids to be disciplined. He wants us to get certain things off the list, the want list. You know what I'm saying? And get it in the checked off list. Oh, that's given to me already. That's given to me. That's given to me. That's given to me. That's given to me. God, I'm free now of my wants. I want to work for you. And that's how life in the kingdom goes, folks. It, it goes no different than that. So anyway... There were certain things that were promised in the Bible. In 2 Kings, verse eh, 07, I see now. I'm always writing down part of a scripture and then go look it up. The other part is in my head and never gets on the paper. But I wrote this one down. Pray the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven... Can this thing be done? And he said, Behold, you shall see it with your eyes, but you won't eat any of it. So, it's interesting here. 
When the word of the Lord comes forth from the mouth of the prophet, you should attempt to believe it. You understand what I'm saying? Mix it with at least a little bit of faith. Don't let words keep flowing by and flying by and you understand what I'm saying. And sometimes people give so many prophecies and talk so much. You know, we got people on social media giving a prophecy every day. You know, I mean, come on now. People need to live. And, and to me, that's robbing the people. Now, I'm not going to judge him and say God told him or didn't tell him. But why would God tell us to meet with him and read your word every day? And somebody's going to come and give you his word for you. See, God is not the author of confusion and he's not in conflict with himself. You know, let those people get get their word, their time with God every day. They don't need you telling them. And pretty soon you run out of stuff to say. You keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. So, okay, we got it now. So, you know, many times it's just like, hey, I really don't need that. Judge whether you need it or not. Ask the Lord, do I need this every day? And I can remember very distinctly before I got saved, I would read the daily horoscope. Remember that? And remember how we fought to, I remember having to just put the newspaper down. I wouldn't even look at it because I was always tempted to see what it said about Gemini this morning. You understand what I'm saying? The same thing it said yesterday and the day before. Come on now. And so when we start doing those things and you start seeing that same pattern kind of set up, suspect that it's the devil and run the other way. Because pretty soon you're going to be hooked on that person. Trying to hear a prophecy every day. And see when you start putting up your website. And say hit the donate button. And all that kind of stuff. Don't tell me you're not having people pay for those words. Just like them gypsies do. So you have to watch this kind of stuff folks. You have to watch. Because to me. God confirms his word with signs following. I don't care how good that person of a prophet. If they do not do not have signs, wonders, and miracles in their ministry, they are missing something. They need to go back to school, go get their Bible, learn how to pray for the sick, learn how to ask God to help you with this anointing that he's given the church. Ask God to empower you or something, but don't lean so heavily on that one gift. You understand what I'm saying? You need something else to go with that to have the ministry of Jesus. So anyway, <clears throat> in Second Kings chapter five, I'm sorry, Second uh, Kings chapter seven, we we see what happens with true prophecy. Now, every prophecy of God is a sworn promise. He swears his life on it. It's backed up by an oath and a promise. It's just not a promise. There's, there's, uh, a, a, um, deposit of his life on everything that he speaks. His life is sworn against it. If it doesn't come to pass, he forfeits his life. Every oath has a forfeiture on the part of the speaker, the one who makes the oath. So for God, that oath is sworn in his blood and there's a forfeiture of his life if if that word does not come to pass once he speaks it. Now, it's going to come to pass. The The question is, are you going to receive benefit of it? Because if we're trying to test the word to see if it's God, we wait and see if it comes to pass to judge if it's God. 
We're on the wrong road. You got me? We got it backwards. You don't wait to see if something is God by waiting to see if it comes to pass. It's Old Testament. And it wasn't even good Old Testament because those people believed the word when they heard it and they would repent or they would obey that word and do what they need to do. And then it came to pass. Amen. Or it didn't come to pass according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh repented and sackcloth and ashes at the word of Jonah because they believed what they heard. We walk by faith, folks. You believe what you hear one way or the other. You either believe it is God or you say it's not God, just like this guy did. He's standing there running his mouth. So he's planted there in the presence of the king to steal the king's faith. So what can God do but judge him right there on the spot? You realize how much authority the king and how much power the king has in this country? That if he believes and he tells people to obey that word, that word goes to the whole nation in that country. And you think that God is going to take it lightly when somebody, one of his counselors and somebody he depends upon wants to poison his mind against believing God's word. So there's judgment against that. Immediate. It was swift. So the the prophet tells him, yes, yeah, it's going to happen, but you're not going to see it. Or you're going to see it, but you're not going to partake of it. And that's even worse. Amen. So uh, as, as we know, we know the end of the story. The lepers were there and they decided to go in. And, and uh, you know, why sit we here until we die? So there were many steps in this process set in motion by God to bring this word to pass. You couldn't write this script yourself If you were a genius at writing scripts. These things that God does. We we can't figure them out. You could never have guessed. That lepers would go in. And find the food. And. Contaminate everything. So not only. Is there food there, but somebody who's supposed to be unclean has gotten their hands on it before everybody else could. So do you believe God is bigger than their leprosy? And go ahead and take your blessing? See what I'm saying? All kind of obstacles to the word coming to pass in life, folks. That's why you got to mix it with your faith when you hear it. Amen. When he said tomorrow about this time, he said you're going to see all of this happen. Now there had been a three year famine on in the land. That was why it was so hard to believe. People can believe for things, bad things to continue much more quickly than they can believe for them to reverse and something good to happen. Faith has to be developed over a period of time, folks. I don't care what we think everything we want everything suddenly. Oh, this suddenly happened. It's see this time tomorrow. Yeah, but it had been three years with nothing. So this was not a an overnight success by any stretch of the imagination. But people were forewarned and they were prepared for something good happening. Amen. And so when 
when the the people came and and they found out these uh, these lepers came uh, verse 10 so they came to the porter of the city and they told him saying we came to the camp of the Syrians behold there was nobody there and horses that were tied and all that and all this stuff was left and he called the porters and they told it to the king's house within the king rose in the night and said to his servants I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us they know we're hungry therefore they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field saying we will come see here's unbelief all over the place so this man that he's been leaning on has probably infected his mind with unbelief so even when they come and tell them we found the stuff he's thinking it's a trap even though God told us all this good stuff was going to happen I see part of it coming to pass over here and I still don't believe I think it's something bad is going to happen see when God gives you a word he wants you to stay with him and stay in the word on that thing to drive out all of this kind of doubt having a partial breakthrough in in believing that that's not good that's not really part of that answer that's coming to pass verse 13 one of his servants answered and said let me take i pray you some horses that remain that are left in the city and 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 let us go send and see so so here's a servant with some sense he says why don't we just go and see if this is the truth and they took two chariot horses a king sent after the hosts of the Syrians saying go and see and they went after them to Jordan lo all the way was full of garments and vessels just possession strewn all down through the road until they got there verse 18 and what do you see it came to pass just as God said, as the man of God has spoken to the king saying, two measures of barley for a shekel, a measure of fine flour for a shekel tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. And the Lord answered the man of God and says, now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, etc., etc. And so it fell out to him for the people that when they saw all that food, they stampeded the armor bearer of the king. The number two man who's serving the king just so he can be prominent. See, God takes care of everything. He takes care of the people with bad motives. He takes care of the people who are in it for show. He takes care of the people who are, are just, you know, there for self. That 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 was his thing. He wanted to be known. First, he argues with the man of God, fighting the, the word of, of the Lord. You can't do that and prosper. Come on now. You can get up in some some prophet's face and tell him that ain't God. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on now. Have a little more sense than that. You don't have to receive what they say, but you, you suppose it is God. And you're in trouble. So you can't go by what you hear. Amen? So, anyway, this this happens just as the prophet said. You know, when the spirit of prophecy is on somebody, they have to make sure that they leave faith on their words when they're especially if they're challenged you know and so you have to leave faith on that word or at least an opportunity for people to believe it the way God wants them to believe it so uh, so anyway we must believe that there is a set time for God to accomplish what he says even if it doesn't happen in the time we set for it 
there is a set time. So when you see time going by and you start getting upset about it, you say, God, I thank you that there is a set time for you to do this in my life. And I won't fret about it because if I keep thinking, every day is the wrong time. You understand what I'm saying? If you're in one of them, I can't wait moods, you think every time is the wrong time. And so you you have to say, God, there is a set time and I believe that you're going to accomplish it just like you said you would. And just trust God to bring it to pass. Amen. In Second Kings chapter 5, we see another example with Elisha the prophet. And we hear see Naaman, the captain of the Syrian guard. In verse 1, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given great deliverance to Syria. So here you see a a military genius here, and one who is courageous and willing to go out and risk his own life over and over again. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now know that wherever God puts you is where you need to be. You, This is one thing we have to understand about God. He, he stations you for for your position and you may never figure out why he did it what he's up to or anything but you got to let things go you know how some people nothing's ever good enough for them they say hey yeah but you know uh, uh, i have this job right now but i'm gonna get promoted and i'm gonna do you don't know what's gonna happen to you do you understand what i'm saying i mean you can believe god for that and all of that but you don't have really any clue you have to let these things unfold it's nice to expect promotion it's nice to expect prosperity there's nothing wrong with that but to take day one when you're on a job and already you've moved up to head of the company come on now learn that job first or you are not going to go nowhere and usually people like that wind up firing themselves because of their impatience you know yeah you you're you're competent because the spirit of god lives in you but that doesn't mean he gonna let you do all this stuff and so anyway you you have to allow god to be in charge of these things in our lives it's life is so much easier if we do that so here we go naaman is a leper so this little girl attends to his wife she's his personal maid and and so she's speaking to the wife and she says you know what she says i wish to god there was there was a prophet here because he would certainly cure naaman of his leprosy he would certainly do it there's a way that god's word comes across to people that makes it believable See, it's not up to us to make people believe it, but it's up to us to just spit it out the way God puts it inside of us, you know, the best we can. And so she tells him, she says he would recover him from his uh, leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, you know how servants do, they gossip. Uh, it's a good thing sometimes. So here it's on the grapevine. This little girl knows some. She says that, that now Naaman must have been loved by his, the people that served under him. 
or they wouldn't have cared. If he were a mean man, they wouldn't have cared two inches about whether he's good for him. See how mean he is? No wonder he got leprosy. That's the average buzz. Or they're jealous of him because of his position and his power and they don't want anything good to happen for him. So this, these must have been good people. You know what I'm saying? To get the favor with their servants. And they told him and, and he said, thus and thus made said in the land of Israel. So this is where the prophet is. She's, she's wanting him to come to Samaria. He's in Israel. And so Naaman sends a, a, a letter to the king of Israel. The amount of money he's he's sending in it looks like uh, uh, like half a million dollars or so, lots of gold and everything. And so he's asking the king if he can do it, and the king's scared. He says, "Now what is this man asking me for a healing for? I don't know nothing about no healing." He set me up. I'm going to get in trouble. You know, king of Israel. Here we go. And so he's in sackcloth and ashes. And and he says, uh, uh, it says here, verse 8, And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel was <laughs> he was mourning and in sackcloth and repenting and scared, he sent to the king and said, Why are you upset about this? He says, Let him come to me. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. In other words, why are you doing this, king? You know you don't know nothing about nothing. Send the man to me where he's supposed to be. And so Naaman came with his horses. His chariots stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger. He says, go and wash seven times in the Jordan and you will come clean again. Okay. So there are some things prophetically that we need to do now you understand what i'm saying it's like naming when do you want to be cured now then there are some things we need to do now there's not it's not like you get a prophecy you tuck it away and you look at it or you don't look at it oh yeah god told me that and yeah 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 it's, it's not something you collect this is something that's very valuable that this is something that's going to set this man free if he obeys it. See, prophecy never comes across as something that's urgent to us. It it seems to come across like uh, kind of almost sometimes like a casual thing. Like, uh, you know, well, uh, 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 that's just confirmation. Just confirmation. Are you kidding me? When it's confirmed, it's established. Let me say that again. See, before you heard this, uh, uh, just a confirmation, it was just a desire or a want or a wish or it wasn't even something you knew was going to happen. It seems familiar because it's the voice of God, not because of the content of it. It's familiar to you because of the speaker, not because of the content. So all words of God are easy to be entreated. That's why they seem like just a confirmation, like nothing earth shattering. I don't know why we think God is going to rock the earth when he gives us a word. Any more than it gets rocked when you read your Bible. You can get full of the word and have all kinds of enlightenment from the word and you're just as normal as you can be. But your spirit man sure is happy, joyful, and lit up. Amen. You don't have to dance around the room and, and oh hallelujah and, and jump out your clothes and go crazy and all this kind of stuff because you got a prophecy that's accurate. 
And some of them are not going to shake you up a great deal. But I know one thing, if you'll mix your faith with it, it's working on the end. You want that word working. You don't want a lot of emotional, crazy carrying on with the word of the Lord. You know, I mean, you don't have to have all of that. I know sometimes people react to it differently, but could trust me. That word will come to pass. It, it's not dependent upon how strongly you react to it, whether it's God or not, and whether it will come to pass. So, so God will do it, folks. If we honor that word as coming from the word of the Lord, and we mix it with faith. So Naaman has a now word from God. He has a word from the Lord that he needs to uh, to uh, move on in the now. It seems to be that way because we got all these people supporting this word around this man. So when there's support for it to, to come to pass in your life, you need to start mixing it with your faith, accepting it as coming from God, and allowing God to, and, and look for the next installment on your word. You got me? You start looking for it to happen. Got me? And expecting it to happen. And so, uh, he, Naaman was told to go now. So if you ever even doubt a word is from God, don't put it off. Start seeking God about it. Go get in your word. Start, all you have to do is say, God, I receive that. I believe it. I know this is you, you know, because there are going to come times, there are going to come some days when it's going to be very low on your scale of believability. There are going to be times when you doubt it because of what you see in the natural or you've gone away from that word and have not uh, uh, done much to embellish your faith and strengthen your faith around it. Uh, so you're living in the land of unbelief where that word is concerned. Man, when you start being mad at people and accusing them of stopping you from getting it, you're on the wrong road. Because God's already given it to you. How can they stop what he's already given you? They can't curse what God's blessed. I don't care who it is. Unless you, you, you can do that. You can take your own blessing away with your unbelief. So get your head out of that, that place of not believing and not expecting and put it back over into faith. You can put it into faith just like you took it out of faith. You can put it into faith. So he was told to go and do something. Okay, so when you doubt something, don't put it off. Get the get the go anyhow mentality. I'm going to start doing this anyhow. I'm starting going to start acting like it anyhow. I'm going to start uh, doing this anyhow. It says, "Go now. Do not go tomorrow or the next day." We must dive into prophecy when that word is released. You know what I mean when I say dive into it? You gotta go and start swimming in it. You gotta start inspecting it. You gotta wash yourself in it. You gotta bathe yourself in it. God, I thank you that you've got good things planned for me. That you're gonna give me, uh, new things in my life. That you wanna elevate me and bring me to another level in my faith. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I'm gonna start preparing myself. Help me to prepare. Show me what to do. And generally, God will have you do things to strive. Strengthen your faith in his word. Even if it's if it's not related to that specific thing. But strengthening yourself in his word is always going to help you to believe it and to see it come to pass. 
We have to remember that nothing is too hard for God. Even though it's hard for us to believe sometimes, it is not too hard for God. Many times we haven't really been taught what to do with prophecy. It's almost like fortune telling because, you know, you got to go back to the fortune teller for another installment. And that's what's happening in the church, unfortunately. There's not enough sound teaching on what to do with prophecy. You do the same thing you do with any word. You mix it with your faith. And then you, if you want to see it come to pass, you mix it with your faith and, and that strengthens it. Just like you did with everything else that you got from God. You understand what I'm saying? It's no different. It's just something that's been spoken from the mouth of somebody that has a message from God. So many have not been taught what to do with prophecy. Remember, nothing is too hard for him. You must believe he will do it for you. And that he's able, well able. He owns everything. He is Lord of all. If there's something standing in the way of you getting what he promises you, he will remove it. You got me? You just rebuke it. You tell it it has no authority over you. You tell it it can't stop you from prospering. It cannot stop you from getting to where God wants you to go. And expect it to be removed. Amen? Expect it to move. We have... uh uh all kinds of uh, um, uh, uh, things that will will try and stand against us. Mostly, it's our own thinking. You know, it's your own doubt, and you start putting doubt, making doubt make sense to you. You're in trouble when you start trying to figure out why something hasn't happened yet. You're on the wrong road. You can't you can't figure out why some why God's word has not come to pass and see it come to pass. Because you're not in charge of that. You're not in charge of the why of anything. And why won't help you. Because you can't back up and start all over again. All you can do is go forward. You understand what I'm saying? What's, what's, what's the reason? Oh, the reason this is happening this way is because so, well, can you help that? Uh, no, you cannot. You still need God to move that thing out of the way for you. So why are we, why are we going on and on about that? You know? God says, everything belongs to me. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Cattle on a thousand hills. I'm Lord of all. So if there are things standing in the way, God will remove them if you will continue to stand on what he has told you. God, you told me. That I would be prosperous in this year. You told me that I would have these things in this year. You told me that, Lord. And I am expecting you to bring it to pass. Amen. So faith brings the word of God to life. You have to believe it first. And you need to tell God you believe it. Amen. That needs to be your conversation with him. You need to tell God, God, I am trusting you in your word. I believe your word that I am healed in spite of what I feel like. I believe I'm healed, Lord, because your word says I'm healed. Amen. God, I believe I'm restored. I believe my relationships are restored. I believe I have a prosperous and fruitful married life. I have a prosperous and fruitful career. I have a prosperous and fruitful everything. You got me? And so tell God you. You believe him. You must. 
Because that's how your covenant is sealed. That's how it's established. That's how you come into agreement for the thing that God wants to do for you. Amen. So faith brings the word of God to life. It starts to move on the inside of you. It starts to stir you up. It starts to help you to believe. Amen. In Hebrews 4, I think it's verse 6, it talks about entering in versus not entering in. And so you gotta mix these things with faith. You, you, you need to talk to God about them first. You know, we get this robot automatic thing. Well, let me put some scripture on. I'll listen to that. Or let me put my, like I, I do my little, um, my little talking Bible guy every day, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> my unsaved talking Bible guy. <laughs> You know, I mean, hey, whatever. But uh, I, I do it. I'm too lazy to put my glasses on to read. So I do that. You know what I'm saying. I, I've been listening so long. I recite it with him, you know. And, and, but it's in front of my eyes. It's just a blur. But uh Hebrews 4 and verse 6. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So he's talking about the Hebrew people. The the reason they didn't enter into their promise was because of unbelief. So when you have faith, faith opens the door for you to enter into that promise in God. I don't care how, how, see, we can enter in and faith believe it the first time and then your brain will say, oh boy, this is going to take so long. You understand what I'm saying? The minute you enter into that door, instead of rejoicing and acting like you have it before you have it, the first thing that will pop into your mind, man, this is, I wonder how long this is going to be. And God, why'd you wait so long to tell me this? You know, why is this, you know, all that, your little carnal brain is going to go tilt when it starts trying to think about the goodness of God. And so you're gonna, that's gonna be your first level of warfare is to fight your own crazy brain from trying to talk you out of your faith, trying to, to keep you from entering in. So when you mix the word with faith, you enter into the first level of your promise. He says here, Therefore, it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached did not enter in because of unbelief. So there are still some things that God wants to do for all of us. It's going to take faith to get it. You're never going to not need faith for for things that you want. And see, what we want, we want stuff to happen right away so we can quit going through the effort of believing. Huh? We want it that easy. We want to be able to use natural faith for supernatural things or carnal faith for kingdom things. Because we can go by what we see, what we hear, what other people say. We can live in that, that, that death realm and want to bring forth life in there. Well, you can't do it. You've got to live in the realm of life to bring forth life. So faith brings the word of God to life. You enter into your promise, level one of your promise, 
when you believe God, when you mix that promise with your faith, when you say, God, I believe this, and I thank you for telling me, and I thank you for preparing me, I believe what you say, and you start to treat that word as though it is life to you, as though it is precious. So faith is a product of our labor in the word and mixing our faith with the word. Amen. We work at faith in in several different ways. In Hebrews 11 it says, well I'll keep reading from where was I at 6. Again in verse 7 he limits a certain day saying in David today. In other words, not when you feel like it. Or not when you're so bored with your life that you, oh yeah, where's my prophecy? I remember God said I was going to do this, that, and the other. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, When you're uh, done with being so busy, you don't have time for God. And then you start thinking about what he told you he's going to do for you. He says, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For as Jesus had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he is also ceased from his own works as God did for him, from his. He said, therefore let us labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So what he is saying here, he says there is a labor that we have to do. But it's a labor to get out of unbelief and out of doubt and get over into faith and rest there. When you get into faith, that's where you rest. See, that's your Sabbath. Faith in God is your resting place. So that's why, that's why the Bible says if, if you, uh, 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 let your requests be made known unto God. Amen. And he says, and the peace of God, the rest of God, peace is rest, folks. You're not working anymore. You're not laboring anymore. You're not doubting anymore. You're not fearing anymore. That peace will guard your heart and mind. So what happens is you grab that that promise of God by faith. And then you labor to hold on to it. You get you some more scripture to go with that. You get some more word to go with that. You start building that up with more word. So you labor in the in the word and meditating and confessing the word and listening to it and surrounding yourself with more word. And that's your labor. And then when you've labored, when that rest hits you, when the peace of God that passes all understanding hits you, then you're rested in your faith and you're still believing God for it to come to pass. You're not in doubt. You're not sitting on the sidelines thinking, well, why is it taking so long? You're not doubting if he's going to do it. Well, look how long it's been and it hasn't happened yet. When is it going to come? When you find yourself doing that, you get yourself back over in the word as quick as you can. You labor to get over into your rest. So we're not laboring to bring the word to pass. We're laboring to shore up our faith and strengthen our faith. So it, your faith will, will produce a rest in you. And that rest is the place where God sees you and he can bring it to pass. Your labor in the word 
is there to facilitate your faith. How do you work at faith? Second Timothy 2.15 says study till God approves of you. It says study to show yourself approved not to people around you but to God. People watch you sometimes when you start saying things and you start mouthing off about things. You know that's not necessarily faith. You know, sometimes faith is held in in your heart. The Bible says Mary had stuff that she pondered in her heart. She didn't tell anybody. Amen. There were things that had to stay in her and grow so that they would be safely. Suppose she went through all all Nazareth bragging on on uh she was God visited her and told her she's going to date killed her. Before she even got pregnant. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to, we have to learn how to incubate our faith. How to let our faith grow in a, a nice secure womb of your heart. And, and, and nourish it with through your meditation. Nourish it with the word of God. If you nourish that promise, it will grow. Trust me. It cannot help but grow. That thing will grow and God will be able to bring it to pass because you have made up your mind that you believe it and you're putting every every effort you can into it. You're putting every faith you can into it. You're, you're allowing it to prosper on the inside of you. Amen. So faith is a product of our labor in the word. Amen. It's a product of that. We are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. That means study until God says, oh, you're smart enough in this. Don't study anymore. Now, do you think that's going to happen? Uh-huh. So keep studying. In other words, keep studying, keep studying, keep studying. Amen. Meditation. Pick up your Bible daily to meet with God. Sometimes you need to tell yourself, God, I'm meeting with you right now. I'm inviting you into my Bible study this morning. I'm pick up this Bible and I'm going to read it to meet with you. You know, I got into a trap of, of, you know, read through the Bible in a year. You know, and that wasn't me. That wasn't my pattern. I did it for a couple years and then I find myself falling behind and falling behind. And then I didn't want to read the word. I said, no, this ain't right. And so you can, you can work so hard sometimes you'll push God out of it. When the best thing to do is include him in that word. If you just read one scripture out of one chapter, I mean one verse out of one chapter, meditate on that and grab it and make it real to yourself. You know, you've met God. Once you mix your faith with that thing, you've met God and it's more real to you than it was before. You, you've got to show yourself approved unto Him through meditation. Daily meet with God. Especially when He's working something out in your life. You got it's just like if you were sick and needed to be healed and were in pain or something really uncomfortable. You stay with that and stay with it and stay with that because you know that's your only hope to get rid of that pain. And that's what you do about everything in God. You you dil that's what diligence is. You're after something. I'm after this coming to pass, God. I want to see this happen. 
And I'm not going to settle for, you know, second best or not enough or whatever. I want to see this happen. Amen. So we need to build up our faith to allow this prophecy to come to pass. It's going to come on the wings of our own labor in the word. It's going to come like that. So we need to build up our faith. That gives that prophecy something to feed on, something to strengthen it, something to help it bring it to maturity so it can be birthed out into the natural realm. Faith is not cheap talk. It's laboring in the word. And I think that's what a lot of times people do. They make, they talk, talk too much and talk too cheap and go on and on and on. And that's really not faith. They're trying to convince themselves or somebody else they believe. Amen. We cannot enter in if we do not believe, man, because God seeks those who believe him. He seeks those who believe him. So that laboring that we do, we don't do to make things happen. We labor to believe. That's your labor. And Isaiah 50, thank you Lord, whatever it is you need from God, it's going to have to come to you by faith, no other means. Faith is going to do the job. Now we know faith needs other fruit of the Spirit to strengthen it and hold it up and make it stay. Amen. For instance, uh, in in First Peter, it says, "Add to your faith virtue." If you, your faith doesn't strengthen you, you'll get distracted and you'll quit. So you got to add virtue to your faith, and virtue is that ability to withstand with your faith. See, Noah was a virtuous man as whether as well as a righteous man and a man of faith. So there are all kinds of attributes of God to come and help that situation. Faith works by love. It, it, you can't get God to do something for you if you're angry at everybody. Or if you're unforgiving toward people. Or you, you know, uh, love is, is really what it takes. That's the deciding virtue in whether your faith works or not. See, Hebrew says, if I have all these things and have not love, I mean, First Corinthians 13, if I have all these things and I don't have love, I make a hollow sound. Virtue makes a sound of strength. Strong people make strong noise in the spirit. Amen. And so if you're a virtuous person and a strong person, faith also takes patience to work. It takes all the fruit of the Spirit all the time. You can't just pick one that you like and say you you use that all the time for everything. That's not true. And faith isn't all you need either. You know, faith people will tell you that. So it works by love and it works by other virtues of the of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So sometimes you may have to withstand a lot of stuff for many days in order to see your faith work. Um, I was thinking about when I, we were talking about these women who have been captured. Do you remember that girl? uh um Dugard was her last name in California. She was found after about 
15 years captivity in the backyard and in, in somebody's farm in their backyard and she had had two children. These girls were in their teens now. You think, how does somebody live that long? And I always thought to myself, I said, Lord, if I could talk to anybody, I'd love to talk to her mother. How'd the mother believe for all those years? I mean, you know, it's got to, you got to have more than just faith. The stuff we talk about like faith. You know, it's got to be something to add to that, man. I mean, I want that lady to pray for me. It's in part, you know what I'm saying? If you could get it that way. Because she's got something in her that's rare. It's rare you get your child back after over, I mean, even after months, a few months. And, and you wonder, you say, God, so there's got to be a lot more to God than we know that you can call up during times of distress. During times when you want to give up, during times when you think you're going to faint, or during times when you want to walk away from the whole show. You understand what I'm saying? There's got to be stuff in God that you we can call up to add to our faith which is wavering if we would admit it or not. You understand? When it starts to waver, you get something to strengthen. God, what do I need to strengthen my faith? I'm commit I'm confessing right now. I'm wavering. And I'm not wanting to, you know, it doesn't seem like it's the right time for this or is it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, whatever. Uh, I don't care anymore. I know I've gotten lax on it, but I'm going to start believing you one day again. No, you better do that now. You You face that thing right now. So Isaiah 50, this is a wonderful thing that God has done for us. He gives us a learned ear. This is, this is good because you can learn these things. You, this is not too hard for you. You know, I had somebody tell me, uh, you know, they, uh, I hadn't seen them, I don't think in two or four years. You know, they're not a part of this ministry, so you wouldn't really know them. They visit the meetings sometimes here and there, but, uh, you know, they were just as angry and hateful toward their spouse as they were last time I talked to them. And I said, well, we had this conversation four years ago about you you needing to forgive. Oh, even though he did. Even though, even though. And I said, where do you get doctrine like this from? Where do you refute the word of God to make yourself an exception rather than seeking to obey the word of God? I said, what has happened to you that you don't even want to do the minimum that God requires so we can have relationship with him i said any pray i pray pray for you you would have to forgive first before we go any further i said other than that we don't have any agreement and so i've never heard this i said well let this be a new beginning for you then i says first month in 2019 you heard it the right way this time you need to forgive that man Oh, we're divorced. I said, I don't care. You still need to forgive him. I said, I said, you can see right now how, how much good did that divorce do you? I said, you've been deceived by the devil. I said, he tell you to divorce somebody so you can, you can feel better. You don't feel any better now for having divorced him than you did before you were divorced. So God graces us to give us the tongue of the learned. Morning by morning he wakes you up to hear. 
morning by morning he wakes people like that up to hear you better forgive this person. I can't do anything for you if you're holding people hostage. Verse 4, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a one in season, a word in season to him that is weary. Amen. He wakens morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. When he gives you a prophecy, he opens your ear. Amen. Don't be rebellious. Just receive what he tells you to do. Don't say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, no, I see, you know, uh-uh. Nope, nope. Hmm. And then we have the example here of the Lord, verse 6, talks about Jesus when he was on the cross. I've given my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And that's the way he expects us to be. As learned people, as the tongue of the learned, God wakes you up every morning with a fresh ability to hear his word. Every morning. He does this on his own. See, this is Lamentations 3, 24. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. Part of his mercy is giving you an ear to hear his word and to hear it clearly. So you can't use the excuse, well, I was deceived and I was like this girl told me, this woman told me, um, uh, well, maybe I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not as mature. I'm not that mature yet. I said, you don't have to be. I said, I was a new Christian. I wasn't even in a church. I said, I was, I had depression and panic attacks every day and I was suicidal. I said, you know what God showed me in the word? He showed me the tormentors that, that tormented that man and threw him in prison because he refused to forgive a small debt that was owed him. I said, he showed me that as a new Christian. I said, you're, you've been in the church all your adult life and if not before. I said, you're a minister. Well, I'm not in minute. Oh no, you, you got doctor in front of your name. You understand what I'm saying? What does doctor mean? What are you a doctor of if you're not a doctor of obeying God? It means nothing. And see, this isn't above our heads to be able to obey God. Come on now. You obeyed Him. When you were a sinner, you obeyed Him to get saved. And that was the biggest obedience anybody can do. You realize all the people running around out here who aren't ready yet want to sin some more? Because they know when they confess Christ, they're going to have to make changes. But yet they have enough faith and confidence to step into that that place of faith. Amen. They enter in. So you don't have to be mature. Baptists know to forgive people. Jesus gave the Bethany experience. That's what Baptist people base their whole theology on that. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost because God breathed on me. Look at it in the Bible right there. Huh? That was before the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptists tell you I'm safe because that's what God did with the disciples when they first he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That was before Pentecost. He says, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven, remitted, whosoever you retain, they retain. Simple forgiveness. You can do it without praying in tongues. And you got all the tongue talkers full of hatred. 
<laughs> I'm not ready yet. Well, yeah, I'm not that mature. Sure you are. Brand new believers know how to forgive. That's how people can get a whole household saved when they first get saved. Remember those experiences you tell everybody about Jesus, how he, what he did for you? I got saved. I mean, I'm a new creature and they look at you like you're crazy and you tell them anyway and you don't even hold anything against anybody. Until the devil catches up with you. <laughs> By then you've witnessed everybody already so he couldn't stop you from doing that. It's amazing how this gospel works. Luke one forty five says, Blessed is she who has believed, for there will be a performance. That's what you want. You want the performance of what you believe. Mary was a, it was a difficult case for her. Think of what she had to overcome. What'd she tell God? She said, well, you know, just let it be unto me according to your word. I'm your handmaiden. In other words, handmaidens and servants don't fight the master. Only religious people, intellectuals, and people who think they know everything do that. Huh? 145, and blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Yeah. This was, um, I think, Elizabeth prophesying to Mary. Amen. And she lets her know God's going to perform. Amen. What He said to you. Don't worry about it. Sometimes you you meet with people so that God can give you the next installment on your prophecy. See, Amen. So Mary came to visit Elizabeth, who was pregnant. Elizabeth prophesied to her. Called her the mother of my Lord. Amen. And so that solidified what God was doing in her life. It confirmed what he was doing in her life. Amen. Mary wasn't left with an angelic visitation and that was it. God strengthened that word. See we can do the same thing. When you get a prophecy like she got from Gabriel, then you go and you continue to obey God and he will strengthen that word on the inside of you. He'll continue to to shore that up so that it will come to pass. So Mary was able, I mean Elizabeth was able to tell her, yep, God's going to perform that in you. We have the grace to labor in the word. You can do this. You understand, morning by morning, he wakes us up with the tongue of the learned. He opens our ear to hear as learned people. In other words, you can master this, a learned person, master certain things. When they talk about people who are learned in the Bible, they talk about people who have mastery of these things. This isn't something you can't do. Faith isn't hard. We use faith all the time. But we've got to keep ourselves in a certain discipline in order to use it, to use faith in God the way God wants us to to use it. Man, we have to learn how to believe against all opposition. Amen. It's very important in building faith. If we want to see God perform it, we've got to allow ourselves to face opposition to it and come away holding what we had when we went in. We can't let our faith be diminished as a result of wrestling 
against flesh and blood, wrestling against the devil, wrestling spiritual forces, wrestling anything, wrestling, wrestling our own thoughts, changes in the natural situation. You know, you believe God for, for uh, health and it goes downhill first. Hey, you need to believe him from up here and it seems like it's going this way. You can't, your faith can, can hold up against that. It can get stronger even after you've had about with that. And so we, we must know that God wants to perform what he promises us, but we've got to believe and continue. Believing is not a one-time thing. It is a continual day in and day out, everyday thing. Whether you look at situations or not, whether you don't look at situations or not, God can sometimes do more if he can get people away from you that you believe in things for. You know, so instead of keeping them in your face all the time, then you want to know why you haven't seen them in a long time. Lord have mercy. You know, can you just believe God? That's what he wants to know. Can y'all just believe me down there? (laughs) Amen. Amen. While we stop. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding how to let our faith grow. And grow. And grow. We never outgrow our need for faith. And for you. But you will bring it to pass if we believe. And we thank you for that Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody